2: Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Yes, you're here. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking this time for yourself to do something hopefully really positive for yourself and your mental well-being. I'm very happy that you're listening. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Rada Modgil, who is a doctor, she's a GP, and she's a broadcaster and author. And she's just a delightful person and a wealth of knowledge. And so we get into such topics as managing overwhelm. I don't know very many people who aren't overwhelmed right now, frankly. It's a very overwhelming time. So I love Dr. Rada's take on this and her really practical... Advice and steps that we can all be taking to to feel less overwhelmed in our lives. We get into managing emotional burnout. You know, burnout is a topic that you probably heard me talking about on this podcast before. It's something that we're talking about more and more, which is a good thing. And I love uh, Radha's perspective on this. And then we get into talking about how to cope with the winter months. So we're just heading into, you know, the winter now and with lockdowns and everything just everything all the things it's a bit daunting it's a bit daunting and so we get into this discussion of how we can make the most of the winter how we can cope with you know shorter days and colder days and that sort of thing and then lastly we get into why talking to young children about emotions is so important and a little bit about how a lack of talking about emotions when we're young can have an impact on us in our adulthood. And I share my own kind of experiences of that. So I'd love to let you know about my new monthly membership club, The Karma You Collective, which is coming soon. It's coming towards the end of November. It's basically a subscription for your mental wellbeing, for your happiness, for your sense of calm and a community to connect with who are on a path of wanting to be them best, their best selves and live life to the full. And so if you wanna find out about that, I'm going to be opening it up to a limited number of people at first, and those are going to be my founding members. So if you want to be invited to join or to hear more, you can make sure you're on my newsletter. You can sign up at www.karmau.com and just enter your email address. You'll see somewhere to enter your email with the anxiety toolkit or the confidence affirmations that you'll see in my homepage, and I'll let you know when that launches. So, Without further ado, let's get into the interview with Dr.
0: Rada Modgill. So welcome, Dr. Rada. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Oh, I'm really good. Thank you, Clay. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I think before before we kind of started recording, I was just saying... How much I admire you and how I've come across your work so I'm actually really honoured to be here so thanks so much. That's so nice, that's so nice, feelings very mutual. It's all true, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> where, whereabouts are you, where are you joining us
2: from today?
0: So I'm joining you from home today, um, not far out of London, about sort of 40 minutes out of London so yeah it's um, it's been a funny year hasn't it because obviously although um, I'm doing bits and pieces outside of home, obviously for all of us um, or quite a lot of us we've spent a lot more time at home um, so it's it's been an interesting thing to get used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. normally have- I'm in lots of different environments, you know, meeting lots of different people and um running around um London. So it's actually been quite an interesting shift for me and quite a lot of self-reflection about how I felt about that, which has been quite interesting yeah that's very interesting yeah I think for me because I
2: worked from home anyway all my clients are online I do a lot of online courses in a way my life hasn't been that different mm. but I do really feel for people whose obviously lives have been completely turned upside down or work has completely changed if you're used to being out and about all the time mm. what, what else I'm really curious now you've mentioned that what, what <laughs> have you kind of learned about this time
0: um, um, in terms of what have you been reflecting on so I've def- I, mean, I already kind of knew this, but I think it's definitely clarified for me how much I love being around people and um, people's energy and how I sort of um, get more energy from being around people as well. I think that's definitely clarified that for me, but also I think it's really brought home for me. Um, the kind of positive energy that I I would get from just encountering strangers, people that I didn't know or I don't know, just going to the train station every day and buying a ticket, saying hello to the, you know, the person behind the cashier desk or saying thank you to someone, you know, who held open a door for me, or, you know, all of those little things that you, you don't really notice when you have them a lot, but when you have less of them or less chance for interaction like that, I think you really miss them. So I've definitely noticed that. I think the other thing that perhaps has happened for a lot of people is you start to reflect on um, how you've been balancing your life, like how much of your life has been work, how much has been about joy, like where have you been putting your pots of time and in which areas and um, what have you been prioritizing? And I think it's been helpful and interesting for me to look at that and think actually, you know. I was running around perhaps a little bit too much (laughs) and you know interesting to kind of step back and go okay what do I want to change it how do I want to change it and how will I do that if I want to so interesting time. Fascinating and yeah I know what you mean about those little
2: encounters with with strangers and you know you often have that sense of I always get reminded about how good people are when people are kind to you like they you know, pick something up when you've dropped it or something. Obviously we can't yeah. really do that now. If someone drops something in the street, you can't pick it up.
0: Uh, did you, <laughs> I yeah, so funny you day. said that example because I was at a petrol station the other day and this um it was an older gentleman who was paying at the sort of the the counter when we weren't actually allowed in. It was just at the window and he dropped his wallet and my initial reaction obviously instinctive reaction was to go and pick it up for him and give it to him but I couldn't so I was kind of going excuse me yeah. that? and it yeah. felt so uh, so weird like you said those small things having said that there are other ways we can hopefully still get it so I think it's just about adapting isn't it we've had to do a lot of adapting this year yeah yeah I've got to find other ways to to connect with people
2: and and be kind and yeah support each other it's definitely mm. been the a um, can you share a little bit about what it is that you do kind of taking a step back um, and yeah hearing a bit more about you would be great and how how you got to where you are today and the sorts of things that you do
0: yeah so um, I'm a GP so I'm um, a medical doctor um, and so I started off doing hospital medicine for about five or six years and then switched into general practice um, and then after sort of maybe three four years of doing full-time general practice I I really miss just working in different environments. I've always loved um, cha- changing and learning new things and, and meeting new people. And I love being creative as well. So I sort of thought, well, actually, how can I get more elements of that? So I sort of stepped back and thought, okay, what else can I do? So I do other other sort of roles as well. But the, the, the broadcasting role really came up by sort of random, really. My sister saw an advert for a BBC3 programme in um, Bristol, where she worked. And she brought it back for me, probably about, about 12 years ago now and she sort of said oh why don't you have a go at this and I was like why why would I do that you know I I was never really anyone to do I didn't do drama I wasn't in plays at school in fact I was like a I was a tree and a statue in a lot of my plays (laughs) um, but I always loved teaching and I always loved um explaining and um trying to come up with solutions so anyway I I applied for that um on the request of my sister telling me off not if I didn't and I got that and I absolutely loved it and I loved the creativity and um understanding and hearing people's stories and learning from people um, and so once I sort of decide that I like something I tend to sort of go for it and and just try to see if I can get more opportunities so after that I I literally kind of sent out loads of emails I, I kind of thought about ideas how I could connect with people to do more broadcasting and then I got particularly interested in mental health emotional well-being um, understanding who we are what matters to us and how we can help each other through our stories um, and what, what I can learn also from people when I'm understanding their story. Brilliant that's yeah
2: that's amazing that you that kind of came across by chance and then it's clearly been such a good decision for you to go down that path and you're so natural at it and yeah, it's great. Oh,
0: thanks. Well, actually, sometimes people say to me, "Have you had Have you had media training?" I'm like, "No, not at all. I have not media training." They're like, "Oh, right, okay." And I'm like, "Maybe I should do. Maybe I should have some." So, but yeah, no, I think um, so I think it's a lot to do with. I mean, like like you do as well. I think it's about. Um, I mean, I suppose being um, being a doctor as well has very similar skills in that you're communicating, you're listening, you're trying to come up with solutions um but yeah I just love it and actually I think um I started to realize maybe five six years ago that it really um is my passion to help people um empower themselves to make good choices to understand themselves to if they want to be in a different place then how can they get there and I love helping people do that. And I also love learning myself how I can do that from other people because we're all learning from each other, which is why it's so amazing. Um, you know, the process of talking and, and sharing things is so amazing because we actually, we can learn from every single person that we meet if we open our ears and actually listen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I first came across you, I think it was on Twitter, and I love the things that you share on there about little tips and ch- tools that we can be doing to help ourselves you know emotionally and mentally and I saw that one of the things you were talking about um recently was um the importance for young children to talk about their emotions and I wondered if you could could share a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so um, I was lucky enough to do a CBBS program called Feeling Better. It, it was about, came out about two years ago, and it was pre preschool children, and it was all about emotions and feelings. Um, and I lived in a little house with two puppets who were brother and sister called Ben and Bria, and every episode was a feeling. So feeling sad, feeling angry with animations and songs and stories. And it was really to help children understand what is an emotion, what is a feeling, what does it mean, where might it come from and what can I do with that um, to help myself feel better. And that that program was everything that's kind of in my heart really, because I think that you know ev- the way we perceive the world, the way we behave, the way we are in the world, not just to other people, but to ourselves, very much stems back to you know who we think we are how we treat ourselves and how we understand ourselves so when we understand our 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 thoughts our feelings or we can at least be aware of them then we can make good choices for ourselves and we can understand where we're coming from where they might be coming from where they may have started and we can start to unpick or unlearn some of the conditioning or some of the messages that we've been given because when we're when we're born when we're little we don't think you know we never wake up and say oh I'm a terrible person I got that wrong I should have known better and yet we learn as we get older either from society or perhaps how we interpret the messages we're given that actually it's my fault or I'm, I'm bad or I should have done this. And so I think the process of understanding feelings at a young age is to empower someone empower all of us to understand that when we take time to do that, that's our foundation. And when we get the foundations right, we can then make good choices for ourselves and we can make good choices and help other people as well, make good choices. And it's that whole thing about connection, you know, all the thing about love, connection. It's about feeling heard and feeling valued. And once someone else hears our feelings and our thoughts, then we feel more connected, and then we're we're stronger together. Yeah. When you were saying that, I was I was thinking about what I was like as a young
2: child. Had a lot of tantrums, a lot of kind of big <laughs> feelings. But I don't, I don't well, I don't remember, but I don't think you know when I was growing up there was really much talk about emotions or how to deal with them or that vocabulary or kind of really even acknowledging things and so I was just thinking about how how important it is I think at that young age to to have those skills and you know our emotions are the most are they most the most important thing like your Mm. your emotional health and your mental health is arguably equally as important or maybe more important than your physical health you know and yet we don't really have that understanding of it well we didn't but I think I think it's getting more and more spoken
0: about definitely and like you say actually the you know I would probably say you know that our mental health our emotional health actually instructs our ability to look after our physical health because you know we see a lot um, and I get a little bit frustrated with this sometimes but on television, you see a lot of programs about dieting, how to do this in a certain number of days. And I think to myself, hang on a minute. And that they're, they're focusing on food and diet and all that because I'm thinking actually take a step back you know let's look at how that person is feeling what they're thinking what they've gone through why 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 are they in that position or what are their thinking patterns you know how are they contributing to to them being in a place they don't want to be in and so actually you can you can trace everything back to our psychology and how we're thinking about something what we associate it with, how we frame that. So I think it is the basis of our physical health and, and understanding that. So this year, I feel like we're being asked as, as a world to kind of go back to our foundations and ask ourselves what's important, what really works. And I think on an individual basis, there is an opportunity to, for us to do that as well and really make it meaningful when we talk about emotional and mental health and really make it matter because it really does Mm. (laughs) and sometimes we make everything so complicated and and I'm like actually it's quite simple but we make things more complicated than they need to be and we need to draw back perhaps and prune back a bush or a tree and actually get back to the the base of that and what it actually means
2: yeah I suppose we do really separate out mental health and physical health but they are so connected and your brain is a part of your body yeah and I don't know what the I'm sure I've seen somewhere that you know, stress, how much stress can, can exacerbate physical issues or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I meet a lot of people who have IBS or they get headaches or, you know, these physical kind of manifestations of their emotional
0: and mental state, you know, so... Mm-hmm. So absolutely same yeah. as same as lots of skin conditions and I think there are lots of other conditions that we don't perhaps we can't perhaps quantify but you know when people report that they've been under stress you know people's physical health uh, often you know deteriorates as well so what you know we are again I think we as a as a society we try to split things up and splinter them off but actually I feel like we need to get all those little splinters and bring them back into that one one being again and say actually this is where we need to focus, this is where we need to concentrate on. And, and just going back to the emotions for children, you know, when we have the language or the tools to express how we're feeling or to understand, we can then, you know, like I say, kind of have, we're on that path or that bridge or that journey to actually making a better choice in terms of our self-esteem. Because I don't think we talk about self-esteem enough as well, actually, and confidence and what that means.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah I, I want to ask you more about that actually I, I want to also go back to something you said uh, just a moment ago about thinking things that are our fault when we're mm-hmm. kids and I have to say this comes up so much when I'm working with clients and also in my own life I know that I took on board thinking that like my parents bad mood or anger was my fault and took on board like some shame around that mm-hmm. and how you know how powerful it must be at that age to kind of learn learn a bit about that and learn that actually things aren't our fault parents have their own moods their own mm-hmm. lives they they do things parents get divorced and it's nothing to it's not
0: your fault and, that, and those sorts of messages Mm, um, absolutely, and I, I, you know, similarly, I, I, you know, I was a, um, as labelled as quite a sort of very sensitive child. <laughs> you're oversensitive, you know. You're a warrior. and I very, you know, like you, very much blame myself for everything, and would always try to be a peacemaker, and you know, um, say yes all the time, and apologise for anything. And I've tried, as as I've got older, to step away from those sort of, those sort of patterns and recognise where they came from and and why they were there. And I think a lot of us blame ourselves when we're little because we well, for several reasons, but one is that we can't understand necessarily what's happening It's perhaps too big for us, or perhaps we're not getting it broken down in a, in a language or a conversation that is we're able to break it up into and process it. But also it's um, if we blame ourselves, then we tend to feel like we're more in control because if it's our fault, then we can change ourselves in inverted commas so that then that doesn't happen again. Whereas in actual fact, it's the reverse. It's actually that, you know, we can't control things in life, but what we can control is how kind we are to ourselves and how we speak to ourselves and how we recognize that actually all of us are doing the best that we can do at any, any one point in time. But I think it's about, you know, when we blame ourselves when we're little or even now we, we sort of, I think it's trying to get that sense of control, but actually all it does is is obviously affect our, our mental health. Yeah. And if we think we can control things, we're going to maybe feel
2: be safe. people pleasing. Yeah. So yes. to try, trying <laughs> to control things to feel safe.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know that feeling. Yeah. And then you reach the point where you're like, actually I'm so tired of trying to control things and trying to feel safe that, that, you know, for some people, that's the moment when they break through and say, I've got to give up control, try to, we can't ever give up control. It's not in our nature, but what can we do to try and relinquish more of that and actually put our energy into what we can control, which is, you know, being aware of our feelings and our thoughts and that the daily habits to help us with those and the daily habits to keep ourselves well. And I think that's where our point of power is. We think it's in controlling other things, but that's where our point of power is. And and that's what will help us feel safe. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Can we talk a bit about self-esteem? Cause you
2: mentioned it there. I think you said we don't, we don't talk enough about it.
1: Yeah,
0: we, we don't at all. We kind of just expect it to be there and kind of <laughs> when, you know, when, when we all inevitably fall down, you know, at some points in our lives, not feeling like we're, we've got good self-esteem or confidence or we start to, to feel certain ways about ourselves and we're like, oh, why is this happening? And I'm really keen on starting to encourage that conversation around well your self-esteem just doesn't come to you it's it's a it's a thing that we have to build ourselves but also help and empower children young people all of us to build so what does what does self sometimes these concepts like self-esteem and self-love like they're they're lovely but when you say the words people like well what does that mean you know I know I should have good self-esteem but what does that actually translate into daily and it's very much around those kind of daily practices isn't it of of showing yourself that respect, that kindness, that love. So, you know, if you are feeling sad to say to yourself, you know, don't worry, you're okay, have a cry, ring someone, it's not your fault, don't push it away. Um, Self-esteem, it's like saying to yourself or encouraging yourself to recognize, step back and reflect on what you have achieved, what you've got through. And actually, one of the social media posts that I did this year, which really resonated with so many people was one about things to be proud of. And there were so many people commenting on that. And I just thought, wow, that's really interesting. And that that really reflects how I think we don't stop, reflect, say well done, um, you know, tell ourselves, actually, this has been a really tough time. What, how, what have I managed to achieve? What have I learned about myself? We're always just told we need to do better. We need to carry on. So I think there is a huge a bit like watering a plant that's quite thirsty and dry. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a one for not watering my plants regularly. Um, you know, when you water it, it soaks it up. And I do feel like that kind of kindness for ourselves and that ability to stop and be proud of ourselves is actually a little bit like that. We need to, we're trying to soak up that from wherever we can, because there's been a deficit of it.
2: And, and when you, when you talked about, when you talk about um, being proud, I know that it can be, really hard to do for some people accepting Mm. compliments can be almost impossible for lots of people that I speak to and the thought of being proud of yourself I mean it's almost like it's not good to be proud like you love Mm. yourself is an insult (laughs) 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 I remember at school people saying oh you love yourself yeah that was like yeah an insult and actually I think we need to change that that it's actually healthy to be proud of yourself it's not something that's arrogant yes it's actually I think comes from really not feeling good and trying to prove something.
0: Um, Yes. And and like you say, kind of those, those basic things of sort of self-love or I think it's actually just about respecting yourself. It's, it's about saying, um, I mean, my dad always says to me when I'm having a little bit of a, a tough time, he says to me, you know, you have to be fair to yourself. And I think that's a really good bit of advice. He's Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, Radha has to be fair to Radha. And it's true that we're not, you know, we we're fair to other people when we stop and we give them praise and we say, don't worry, you know, that wasn't a mistake. You've learned from it. And I think we need to be fair. It's about being fair to ourselves and actually treating ourselves with fairness rather than judgment and shame and, and criticism which is just like the worst thing we could ever do so just you know what even if you can't necessarily go to that step of loving yourself what can you do to to not criticize yourself or what can you do to be fair to yourself I think that's a a better question maybe to ask
2: that's brilliant yeah I think sometimes love can seem out of reach if you're really in a in a low place or you're really down in yourself it's like Self love is like no, I'm not even not even close to that. But actually, can I be fair to myself? That seems a lot more manageable. I like, yeah. I really like that. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, making things micro. And um, I, I saw a post that you did around this that really really struck me. You know, so much in life is very overwhelming right now. Very mm-hmm. complicated and uncertain. Can, can you share about what, what you mean by making things micro?
0: Yeah. I mean, that that kind of post came from me feeling a bit overwhelmed. Actually. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is all just too much. And I think this year, you know, we haven't got, we've never really had any endpoints to anything. We still haven't got an endpoint to all of this. And it, there's so much that's so big. And it's a bit like a, you know, it's a bit like a big cloud, isn't it, in the sky is that when you if you were just kind of hit by an individual raindrop, it wouldn't be so bad. But when you see that cloud and you start to think about all the raindrops in there and and how you're gonna get soaked, it just becomes a bit too much. So yeah, the whole post was really about trying to reframe everything on a smaller scale because then it's more manageable. So for example, instead of thinking about the next month or the next year, in your your thoughts or thinking patterns, trying to think about the next hour or the next day, because that's more manageable, that's more solvable. You can see that, you can see the end point of the day. So what can you do in that day if you've got a practical problem like um, a financial problem or a problem with your job, for example? How can you break that down into a list and come up with tiny, small, practical solutions to the the micro units of that? Well-being habits. We talk about well-being habits. That's another phrase which is kind of a bit (laughs) bit general, a bit meaningless. How can you translate that into daily moment to moment actions that are going to make you feel better? Um, And and also things like, you know, things to look forward to this year you know we haven't had things to look forward to so how can you make those not change those from sort of grand gestures or big things into tiny little things so you've got something every single day that you look forward to and the same with kindness so small acts of kindness those little micro acts of kindness actually can have a huge impact on how we feel so small acts of kindness to yourself but also other people um So, yeah, small is manageable. Big Mm. and overwhelming is absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so taking
2: everything one step at a time, one hour at a time, Mm. rather than thinking too far ahead and breaking it down into little steps or little chunks that are more manageable when things are overwhelming.
0: Absolutely. And And our thought patterns, you know, trying not to project too much into the future, I think is really helpful at the moment. So whenever your mind starts to wonder what if, what then, say hang on a minute I'm here right now what can I do right now because when you invest in now and your energy in in what you can do now to help yourself feel better or come up with a solution that future is more likely hopefully to be to have a better outcome Mm, yeah that's
2: really powerful I think yeah there's so much uncertainty we don't know what the next six months are going to bring and if you've got a mind that is on the anxious side, it'll go to the worst case scenario. You'll play out all these kind of possibilities. And actually chances are things could, you know, things usually do end up turning out all right in the end. So mm. let's just take things one one kind of step at a time.
0: Yes. And, and actually it's helpful to th- if you can't do that, it's difficult. And, you know, I think we've all found that difficult myself included. Try to think to yourself, okay, well, if I don't take things one step at a time and I do keep thinking about the future, what are, what are the repercussions of that? And the repercussions of that are you're going to get overwhelmed, tired, stressed, mentally exhausted and unable to deal with challenge. So if ever I'm finding something difficult to do, I always try to flip it to the reverse and say, OK, well, you're finding that difficult to do, but, but what happens if you do the reverse or you don't do it? And if not doing the reverse is worse, then I can find the strength to do what I found difficult to do in the first place. <laughs> ah yeah
2: so it's almost like I often think of it in terms of we think we're we're keeping ourselves safe by thinking about the future and almost like ruminating or overthinking it's kind of our way of trying to prepare somehow but actually if we're tired and burned out and stressed and anxious we're not prepared in the moment to deal Mm -hmm. with whatever might come up so actually is there something to say that we're actually safer by being present by being in the here and now and um that's the way to be as safe as we can, really.
0: Absolutely, totally. That's where our that's where our power lies. Like you say, then you've got that reserve, haven't you? Left for actually. So yeah, we. It worry is a it's a tricky, it's a little trickster, isn't it? Worry. It's like it it, it lulls you into that false sense of control and like you're doing something, and it will help, but actually, it's it's often the total reverse of that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Speaking about kind of being overwhelmed, um, I wanted to ask you about emotional burnout we're hearing mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if everyone is hearing this but I'm hearing a lot about burnout mm. uh, people are talking about it I feel like a few years ago no one really was talking about it and now people are more and more um what 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 do you define that is because as, as mm. I understand it it's almost like people some different people have different definitions of what that even is um, yeah. and what can we do if we feel ourselves getting into that into that state
0: yeah, so you're right. There are lots of different definitions. So, kind of burnout initially was very much um, defined related to work and to our sort of working life. So, that was a kind of traditional definition. I think over the years, people have defined it in many, many different ways. And I think that's why it becomes a bit of a difficult concept because when there are too many definitions, you're like, oh, I don't, you know, what does it mean? <laughs> what is yeah. it? I mean, to, to me personally, it's, it's about thinking about your sort of uh, emotional state as a as a sort of battery, as a as a reserve, as like a well, if you like. And, you know, getting burnt out means that you're you're drying that well out. So it's so low, there's nothing left in it. Um, and to the point where it starts to affect your, you know, what you're able to do day to day. And so I see it very much as a, I mean, that's the end kind of crisis point. We don't want to get there. We want to start looking at it before that. So I would say... Thinking about it more as an emotional reserve, perhaps, is useful. Um, So, you know, what can you do day to day to fill up your tank, fill up that well, that battery, and what kind of activities will work for you? And they're going to be different for every single one of us. So is it art? Is it gardening? Is it sport? Is it chatting to someone? You know, what brings you joy? We don't talk enough about joy either. I know it's been hard to find joy this year, (laughs) and hard to talk about it but actually joy is a is a charger it's a refueler so what can you do in your day to bring yourself more joy so for me I think it's more about stopping checking in with yourself and asking yourself how am I doing where is my emotional reserve right now and do I need to actually invest some time into building that up again because it's running too low. Yeah mm,
2: yeah yeah and I know I know. I notice this in myself. What can happen is, I'm cruising along in life, like everything's going fine, and I think <laughs> yeah. to myself, I don't need to meditate. You know, I'm it. Oh, I don't need yeah. to like go and walk every day. And then something comes up in life, and actually, mm-hmm. that's when I realise it's like an ongoing process that you've got to keep your self topped up, um, mm-hmm. those emotional yeah. reserves kind of topped up, and. Um, not get too kind of complacent with it. Kind of remember that actually, if something was helping you, there's a
0: reason, there's a reason <laughs> why you're doing it, and you should keep doing it. Really. I think I think you're totally right. I think we've all been a victim to that, myself included. And, and you're right. You kind of um, I was going to write a little quote the other day. In fact, I'll probably do it in the next couple of days about um, you know those those habits, or those things we do day to day. Um, don't treat them like fair weather friends, you know, the sort of friends that only turn up when all is well, or, you know, actually you need them more, like you say, in those really tough moments, but more to to your point, absolutely, you need them every single day to actually remain at that balance level. And I think as humans, you know, myself included, we all get a little bit lazy and we get a little bit, oh, it was fine. You know, I'll just, instead of doing that, which I know is good for me, I'll do this. And sometimes, some days we need to do that. We can't always be on top of it and, and we shouldn't ever feel like we need to be. But I think it's just about recognizing um, how important it is. And I think once our, once we recognize what something does for us, then it actually fall, slips very easily into becoming a habit. We don't necessarily need effort. And I, I remember when I started to uh, to do some more running. Now I've always loved sports, but I was never really a long distance runner. I was a bit more of a sprinter because I used to find long distance quite painful and quite boring. But <clears throat> when I started to um, do a bit more running, I initially, you know, I didn't like it. My brain was like, oh, this is really painful. Stop, it's too much. And then, and then I started to recognize how much better I felt afterwards. And then after a, sort of a couple of weeks of that, you make that association automatically. And so then actually you want to do it, not for the running, but because you actually feel better afterwards. So I think it's about slipping into a habit, not necessarily having to force yourself into doing something.
2: Mm, yeah, that's that's uh, not fun if every single time you do it, it feels like a struggle. It needs yeah. to be
0: um, <laughs> something. But yeah, hopefully yeah. you so-
2: associate with those positive effects yes. and can keep yeah. going. Yeah. Um, We are transitioning through autumn into winter. And I think a lot of people are starting to um, notice. I mean, I think, yeah, a lot of people feel the change of seasons and particularly Mm. in winter, whether you've got seasonal affective disorder, whether you just, you love being outdoors. I think particularly as we're looking at lockdowns and kind of facing this winter that looks a bit bleak. Mm. um, Are there things that you would suggest for kind of how to deal with the kind of yeah
0: the the incoming winter that we're facing Mm, I think probably so I find autumn winter quite difficult actually myself so I think um going back to our earlier point not letting your mind jump too much ahead so don't keep thinking oh my gosh this is so long how am I going to get through this um because that's going to make you not get through it so um maybe like a little countdown thing is quite helpful I think counting down rather than counting up kind of helps you to keep going and motivated. So I've been doing these kind of like being well, like little backpack tips on my social media. And um, when it became autumn, when the seasons changed, I worked out there were 181 days until spring. And so I've been doing like a little daily tip every day and it's almost like a a counting it down. I think counting it down helps you to see a bit of a sort of psychological end point. So that's helpful. I think also accepting that it's here, we can't change it. We can't take it away. We can't stop autumn and winter. So if we can't change it, then we need to accept it and work with it rather than against it. It's always help, more helpful for us to do that. So how can you work with it? I mean, I I bought some thermals. I've bought a head torch so I can go out and see friends in the evening when it's dark. So I think think about practical ways that you can still get what you need from autumn and winter. How can you still get connection? How can you still remain active? How can you still find the joy and how, what's the autumn or winter version of that compared to spring and summer, you know, like Mm -hmm. what's the autumn winter season (laughs) kind of collection looking like if you're talking about the equivalent of clothes or anything else. I think working out practical things. I also think nature is so important um, in autumn and winter. So, if you're able to, to just try and get as much natural daylight as possible, cause we know that's good for us. We know it's good for our mood and our sleep patterns. So, you know, can you go out for a walk at lunchtime? Can you sit next to a window while you're working at home? Um, that's really helpful, but also, you know, um, autumn and winter in nature is a, is a time for consolidation, stopping, but also there is growth under the surface of the soil. There's new beginnings. So if you can look at, na- I think nature really helps us to realize that yes it is going to be difficult but there is always hope there's hope under the soil the the snowdrops will come out and I know that's kind of very sounds very airy-fairy but actually nature for me gives me hope it gives me a sense of continuity and the fact that this will come to an end and, and that actually there is always something on the other side of that end and that difficult time.
2: I love that way of thinking about it um yeah, I suppose it, it does come down to how can we reframe it. I don't know if it was you, I think it was you that posted about reframing a rainy day as like a cozy day. A cozy <laughs>
0: yeah, day. Yeah. That sounds like one of my posts, yeah?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw someone when we went went into the first lockdown, um, mm-hmm. someone had reframed it as like, it's cozy time. It's time mm-hmm. to kind of stay indoors, to take care of yourself, to slow down, to go inwards perhaps. And can we kind of see the gifts that are in whatever season that we're in? Mm. Um, But yeah, definitely... I busted out the hot water bottle yesterday. I, <laughs> yeah, <mine. laughs> I, I used to have hot water bottles as a kid and I never had one as an adult until like a year ago. And now I'm yeah. like, how have
0: I ever lived without hot water bottles? Absolutely. I've got, I've got mine as well. I, I think I got mine out in early September. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like, I'm going to need this one. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> um, are there any other things that you do to support your own mental health? I know we've, we've talked about quite a few things, you mentioned kind of running, but are there other things that you really like to do that really have helped you?
0: Mm. Um, getting back into reading has really helped me. So um, I think you know, all my time of sort of studying, I, I kind of you know, reading became like a, a thing associated with exams or studying. So I think I've now definitely this year started to read more, which I absolutely love because it's um, it's a break for your mind to be taken into a totally different world. And I tend to read. Um, really imaginative sort of stuff that takes you into a different world, like totally like things like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or, you know, things that are totally right. just out or Philip Pullman, for example, because I think that um, our imagination is also a great tool. You know, our imagination we can use to make us frightened or anxious and we frequently do and worry, but we can also use imagination. That same imagination actually can take us into a, a world where we feel better. We have a distraction. We can imagine or think about good things. So I I'm trying to really use my imagination um, rather than to fear or to worry, to flip it on its head and say, okay, well, what can I imagine that's positive? What can I imagine that's joyful? So imagination is a tool. So reading for me, definitely. Um, and music, music I just love because it's a bit like a pick and mix. You know, you can choose the music to suit your mood or the music to actually help you process a particular emotion and and come out the other side of it. So whether or not that's feeling a bit angry and frustrated and stressed and going cycling, listening to, you know, faithless insomnia, or <laughs> or whether you want to feel empowered and listen to a bit of um, Florence and the Machine, or you want a bit of joy, and you listen to some summer tunes, whatever that may be. Music for me has been really, really great, actually, as well. Mm, yeah, I love that. Isn't it amazing how you can just get
2: any song in the world, like within seconds on Spotify or YouTube, It's amazing. It is amazing. Oh my God. Like when, when yeah, yeah. growing up, it was like you get your cassette where you hopefully record something off the radio and then you can get your favourite song.
0: Yes. I remember sitting there on the Sunday charts and being like, song.
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or doing like a little mixtape. Yeah. But I think, I think that's, I think that's great. I think, I think actually, again, this year, we've been reminded about how important the arts are and how, how important creativity is in a world that is very focused on. Uh, productivity in terms of outcomes churning content out I think we've really remembered or I hope we will remember the importance of creativity whatever that might be that might be drawing art music it might be gardening it might be coming up with ideas there's lots of different different ways we can be creative but creativity again is is a great tool for for well-being and for joy and the arts are just so important for that so I think that's really helpful to rebalance our sort of our our mental bodies if you like of like I must do 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 into hang on a minute there's also the another side which is the foundation which is creativity into BBB I think that's really helpful as well Mm, yeah yeah I love it oh I've got one more question for you final question
2: what what is most important to you right now
0: uh oh that's a really good question um the most important thing to me at the moment is obviously um health the people that I love um And I think doing what I can do to put some positive things out there in the world. um, I think my, you know, my priority really has changed from thinking too much about the future into actually just getting through each day. Um, But I think also what's important is that we, I hope that we will remember some of the lessons that were being shown. And I'm hoping very much that we won't forget those and we will, we will kind of step into a a new phase of focusing more on community on what emotional health is and our ability to connect and, and help each other yeah Mm, beautiful thank you oh such a
2: Aww. pleasure thank you so much for everything you shared Been so so good can you um share where people can find you and anything that you're they can get involved in or yeah where
0: where are you where are you hanging out on the internet <laughs> yeah so i'm on twitter at dr rada modgill i'm on instagram at dr underscore rada um i'm doing lots of different things I, I post up kind of things most days um All sort of trying to help and be positive. So, yeah, lots of different bits and pieces. So, yeah, you can find me on there. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thanks, Chloe.
2: You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget, you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one on one sessions